0: What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica.
1: And I'm Roshane.
0: And as always, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us today on the eve of the day of my birth. (laughs) Tell them. All right. So on this day, the 17th of May, um, when this episode comes out, my birthday is tomorrow, homies.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Oh, my God. So I'm very, very excited about that. Um, Have been excited about it since May 1st. (laughs) 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 Um, But do do you know how... How old am I turning, Roshane?
1: This year? Oh, uh, yes. are you putting me on blast like that? Uh, I'm going to say, is it the the, the 2 8? Is it the 20 of the 8?
0: Actually, <gasps> the answer is Damn! I am a troll and I do not age. <laughs> 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 I am infinite. God was damn. That's the it. correct answer. <laughs> Nah, nah, yeah. I'm 20. I'm gonna be 28. Motherfucker!
1: <laughs> oh damn it! You were right. Why I are know, you upset? but I thought I thought so hard that I was wrong. I was like, oh no.
0: To be fair, I mean, it's fine. I forget. So if you had said th- anything different, I really wouldn't have cared because I <laughs> I barely remember. Um, but
1: that's the bullet there, homies.
0: Now you did good. I'm proud. <laughs> <laughs> you you um you've earned your keep. We will be friends for another 365 days.
1: Oh, thank God!
0: I made, I made another
1: year. We did it.
0: <laughs> we'll return next May, and we'll we'll test you. <laughs> we'll <once> see.
1: Again. <laughs> I'll be just as stressed. Don't worry. <laughs> Got a goldfish memory.
0: But now you know that you can say. Now you have a backup answer. You can just say. You're oh no,
1: you're you're trolls, infinite. I get you.
0: Trolls do not age. Correct. Um, but in honor of. My birthday. We will be tonight. So if you're listening to this on Monday, once again, tonight at 6 p.m. PST, we'll be twitching it up like we always do, but Mm -hmm. it'll be a fun, casual birthday stream. We'll be playing a lot of fun games, chit-chatting a lot. um, As we do. As we do. So I would love to see... You homies there, if you guys are free, uh, if you have the time to and want to just come on through and say happy birthday, it would it would make my heart sing in so many <laughs> octaves. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, homies, please, please come through. Uh, for those of you who have stopped by our, our uh, Homies of Horror live streams, we appreciate you so much. Um, and if you haven't yet, we, like Erica said, we stream on Twitch every Monday at 6pm PST. Twitch is a website that is free to use. All you have to do is sign up, and you can find us at my Twitch channel, um, which is under a different name now, so if you just look on our bio, you'll see twitch.tv slash nerdy millennial. You can find us there, and we'll be hanging out, uh, playing some fun games, and celebrating the birth of our eternal podcast host, uh, Erica. (laughs) (laughs) So please, stop stop on through, homies.
0: Yes, please do. Um, and then, in other very exciting news, we have another announcement to make.
1: Bum-ba-da-bum.
0: And that is, despite okay, first of all, homies, despite Apple Podcasts trying to play us and coming for our neck and our reputation by stating that last week's episode is the fiftieth episode. Um, this is actually the fiftieth episode. I counted. They lied. They're lying to you. Don't you see? It's all a lie. Um no, I I counted and this is our 50th episode. So, I think they're counting an extra something in there. But on our 50th episode, we decided to make this our season finale. So this will be the last episode of season one of Homies of Horror. Can you believe we made it?
1: I know, right? That's actually really crazy. And we haven't even been around a year yet, which is also the crazy thing.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: That we hit number 50. Uh, Well, actually, I guess that makes sense. There's more than 50. You know what? Math is hard. Apple proved that.
0: Well, no, no. You're right. Because there was a period where we were doing two Episodes per week. True, true. And then when we first started, we came out with I think like three episodes at once. Mm-hmm. So we we shouldn't be at fifty yet. We really shouldn't. But, <laughs> but here we did we the are. most. We did the most, and here we are. <laughs>
3: we busted our buns
1: and gave you podcasty goodness every week of this year, homies. We do it for you. All right. We do it because we love you. Yeah. You know it's- this.
0: It's all for you, Damien. So (laughs) (laughs) I hope you enjoyed it. But yeah, so this is going to be our season finale. And then we're going to take a week break. So no new episode, no new episode next Monday. Um, But... After that, we are coming back better than ever with some more bangers for season two. Um, we might be trying some new things. The homies might be back. They might be glowing. <laughs> so um, we hope that you guys are excited for our next season. We are really, really excited and we're just excited to be at fifty, like mm-hmm. that. We've had so many. Thank you so much to all of you homies for riding with us for as long as you have and for being super supportive. Um, we'll uh, we'll still be active on social media, so
1: yeah, we're not disappearing. No, we're just, yeah, <laughs> we're taking a tiny little break uh, to uh, refuel our horror tanks just a yes. little bit.
0: Yes, yeah, so so come check out our social medias. If you are not following us, we are homies of horror on everything. So still, we'll still be talking on there, posting, you know, shooting the shit. Um, so yeah, come and hang out with us there and come and watch us on Twitch if you need your fix. And also just re-listen to all the episodes. Why not?
1: Yeah, there's 50 now. There's 50 for you to listen to. <laughs> and if somehow this is like the first episode that you're listening to go back listen to the rest there's so many bangers don't miss out don't be the one don't be the one homie that missed like the best episode that all the other homies are talking about you don't want to be that homie yeah. all right be, be yeah. your best be your best mm-hmm. self
0: yeah how embarrassing <laughs> um <laughs> um but we had to go out in style yeah yeah you guys, you already know what time it is. We had to talk about our boy Freddy.
1: He's back, baby. He's
0: back. Freddy, 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 can't you see?
1: <laughs> In my dreams, you hypnotize me.
0: And I just love your killer weight. <laughs>
1: <laughs> slice, 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 now you're filleted.
0: Oh. Got him. Oh my God. <laughs>
1: All right. Along with season two, we're going to be dropping our first album. Uh-
0: <laughs> yes, all horror-themed rap. <laughs> come on, come along for the ride, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, we had to talk about Freddy. We have obviously we're still working our way through the Nightmare on Elm Street series, but I have personally been dying to get to. This one, which is number 3, which is Dream Warriors.
2: Mhm.
0: Oh, I'm so excited to talk about this one. I I mean, you homies know we A got to give it up to Freddy Krueger. He's one of our favorite horror villains. Mhm. And B, I just I personally I just love the Nightmare on Elm Street series, but the number 3 for me, I mean, She hits different. She really does. (laughs)
1: Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people love three, and I know we've, you know, you and I have talked about this franchise a lot, especially in the past year. But we have never talked about the third movie together. We've never Mm -mm. sat down and really talked about the Dream Warriors. So this is exciting. I, I, I've heard you say so much how much you love this movie, and I cannot wait to hear all of the reasons. And I cannot wait to nerd out about our boy, Freddy with you today on this, our 50th
0: episode. Oh, my God. I'm tearing up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not. Yeah, let's just get straight into it. It's, I actually didn't realize that until you said it, that we haven't really ever discussed this movie with each other. So mm-hmm. now
1: it's time.
0: It's time. The time has come, the walrus said, <laughs> to, to talk of many things, and all of them are Freddy Krueger related.
1: Boom, boom. Should we jump into it then?
0: Please do. Please hit us with that plot, that spicy plot.
1: You got it. All right. So as always, homies, we are now entering into spoiler territory. So you have been warned. But today we are talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. This one directed by Chuck Russell um, with a story by Wes Craven and Bruce Wagner. And starring Heather Langkamp as Nancy Thompson, Craig Wasson as Neil Gordon, Patricia Arquette as Kristen
3: Parker, and of course, Robert England as
1: Freddy Krueger.
3: The year is 1987, and Kristen Parker thinks she's retiring for a late night slumber. However, it is here in her dreams where we find out that the Freddy Krueger has returned, seeking his revenge. Believing her daughter to be suicidal, Kristen's mom admits her to Weston Hill Psychiatric Hospital, where she is placed under the care of Dr. Neil Gordon. While here, she befriends the newest intern, Nancy Thompson, who seems familiar with her situation. Along with the other youths of the hospital, Philip, Kincaid, Jennifer, Will, Taryn, and Joey. In a group session, we find out that these people all have one thing in common. Freddy Krueger. Insert violent television, origin stories, and CGI skeletons here. Our film concludes with our group banding together to take back their dreams and stop Freddy once and for all. Also, welcome to primetime, bitch. Roll credits.
0: Okay, um let me ask you how uh had it been a long time since you had seen this movie last or Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah, it's been a super long time since I last saw this movie. Uh, I think I talked about it either in our Nightmare 2 episode or in our Nightmare 1 episode. Mm -hmm. Although I love this series, I do have this issue that all of the movies after a while blend together. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times I'll get like kills and things mixed up from other movies, you know, mixed up with the movie that we're watching. So I realized about halfway through this one that I remember the first half of this movie, but I didn't actually remember how it ended. Oh, because um, I could have I could have honestly, I could have sworn that this was the one where we had like the guy get sliced up as the comic book and all that stuff. Mm. I thought that was this one. And then I realized a part of the way through. I was like, that character ain't here.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, uh, something's some, yeah,
1: some, mixed up in my brain here. Uh, yeah. so like the, the beginning bits I do remember, like, I think I remembered everything up until slightly getting into the spoiler parts, um, up until they get into the group session. And then after that, it was kind of a blur.
0: Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. I mean, to, uh, to be fair, like the, them all bleeding into each other. I think once you get into three, four, five. Mm hmm. That's totally fair because three, four, five are really a continuation of the same story more so than any of the other ones because you f- go from Kristen to Lisa, I think, is the the one in the next one. Like, the the story just continues with the same group of friends, kind of. So they can blend together a little bit. But I watch this movie quite often. And even still, when I rewatch it, there's a lot of parts that I forget. Mm Mm-hmm. There, it, there's a lot going on in this movie. It, yeah. it's, a <laughs> it's a lot.
1: It's a lot. It's a lot.
0: Yeah. it's So a little bit of background for this one is, mm-hmm. and once again, I'm getting my information from the documentary, Never Sleep Again, which is just such a good documentary. And yeah,
1: it really is.
0: Covers all of the nightmare movies and um is currently on YouTube, I believe, if anybody has a desire to watch. But they invited Wes Craven back to work on this one after the second one. And he... So he did a write of it. And his first draft, apparently, according to many of the people in the documentary, his first draft was even more than this. There was a lot going on. And... Uh It, there are a lot of elements in it and a lot of different rules that seemed to be popping up. And it was much more, it seemed like it was on a much grander scale than what we ended up with. And it was also darker, a lot darker than what we get in this movie. And that's not to say that this movie isn't dark, because I think of many of the Nightmare movies, this one really delves into some dark ideas. And some dark themes. So I do think that they kept, they had to have kept some of those elements. um, But when they brought Chuck Russell in, he was the one who brought in the more fun elements of this movie. And the more whimsical elements. I guess is the best way that I can describe it. A lot of this movie seems very whimsical, and a lot of that has to do with the dream sequences in this movie, which we get a lot of. There's a lot of dreams in this movie. And he also was one of the people that made Freddy... What he is in this movie, and I know that that's a bit of a point of contention for some people. I know some people don't like the direction that Freddy goes in these movies because he starts to get a lot more one-liners, and he's not the same Freddy that he was in the original one, Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with Chuck Russell and trying to bring in some fun to this movie, Uh, but... no, I like, I, no, I'm, ju- I was just gonna say, I mean, you, I've said this before. I love this version of Freddy. This is the version of Freddy that I'm most familiar, like I, that I'm most used to, I guess, because he's like this in the majority of the movies. And I feel, I just love seeing Robert England get to play and be this smart-ass character. And, I feel like it really gives us more time with Freddy to see his personality. And I also feel like this is really when we get the idea that the dreams are very catered to the person. It's mm-hmm. not just about, oh, I'm I'm in Freddy's dream world. It's like, oh, I'm in my own nightmare, hellscape, dream world. But Freddy's also here.
1: Yeah, very true. It's interesting, but I think you find often – Uh, A lot of the characters like Freddy, uh, when they start slipping away from the just brutal murderer type to kind of somewhat slapstick uh, Mm. versions that they become, I think it's sort of an inevitability for long-lasting franchises for horror to eventually kind of bleed into comedy. Um, I think we kind of touched on it a little bit during our Evil Dead discussions last week, where moving you know the character of Ash um, from his initial the initial <laughs> Ashley that we get in that first movie right to him becoming Ash over time kind of bleeds into comical you know over a long period of time and i think you see that a lot in the nightmare franchise as well is for, i think for a uh, uh, a villain to last as long as i feel like Wes Craven and Chuck Russell um wanted him to you, they need to be. They need to be likable, even though they're terrible people. Like there has to be something charming about them in a way. And I think this like one-liner version of Freddy was their was their start in that direction. Which. I mean, there were so many movies post this movie, so you could argue Mm -hmm. that it was an effective take. And I agree with you. I I like this version of Freddy. Like, I think we already got a little bit of this in the first two movies anyway. Like, he was kind of already heading in this direction, but I agree that this movie really solidified um, this version and personality for this villain. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Also, Ta- just a small point on what you just said homies i finally watched the original evil dead one all the way through and the evil dead two if you guys want to hear us talk about that you can find that on uh Rochaine's twitch channel we had a full discussion about those original two movies but just to save anybody any suspense I loved them, and I just <laughs> wanted to let you guys know I finally watched them, and I really, really enjoyed them. But getting back into the di- into this discussion, <laughs> back to
1: Freddie,
0: back to Freddie, the star of the show. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Freddie. Um, <laughs> yes, I agree with you. I I think particularly if you're going to have a villain like this that speaks, you know. It, it, Eventually, you're going to get to a part where he's going to be this wise cracking person. If if you're going to have, I mean, if you're going to have a franchise that is seven, eight movies long, you know, (laughs) like eventually, (laughs) you're probably at least going to dip your toes into that kind of a thing because it keeps them interesting and it keeps people coming back for the villain. And I do think this movie, out of all of them, Besides maybe the next one, the next one is does a fairly good job in not making him too, too Looney Tunes-esque. But I think particularly this one does a great job of balancing the darker tones mm-hmm. of this film with Freddy being, you know, not as serious as he was. And I think the parts that keep Freddy connected to the way that he was in the first one is nancy like i definitely think in the interactions that you see between him and nancy he's a lot more similar to the first freddie that we had but then with the newer kids he's kind you know that's when we get the smart ass freddie because he's really just messing with them i yeah. mean yeah
1: he, he, he's not afraid of them at all. Like Nancy, yeah. he's gained a level of respect for Nancy because she survived his first onslaught. But mm-hmm. these kids, yeah, they got no clout in Freddy World. He's yeah. ready to just off every single one
0: of them. He don't know them. <laughs> he, could, he could not care less. He knows that they're parents. He mm-hmm. said, I recognize you because your mother is Tia, and she laughed at my face while I burned. Mm-hmm. So you will die. But for <laughs> Nancy, Nancy's like the one that got away. And I think for him, that's, uh, you know, obviously he has, he he still is going to kill anybody that he can in this movie, right? But I mm-hmm. think for him, Nancy and Kristen are definitely like, the prize trophies he'd like to put on his mantelpiece. Nancy, obviously, because he already has that prior confrontation with her, but then Kristen also because she has this power in this movie that could really mess things up for him Mm -hmm. if things don't go the way that you know, he needs them to go. She can kind of throw a wrench in his plans. I think it's very evident throughout this film, too. They do a really good job of making it clear that that Freddie is still really obsessed and harbors this kind of Moby Dick-esque, like, you're my prize feeling with Nancy because he does something in this movie that we haven't seen him do before and where he has a moment to kill Joey, 100% could have wiped eliminated joey on site but instead he puts joey into a coma and captures him and keeps him in the dream world because he knows that he needs to use these kids as a doorway to nancy because by all means nancy has you know cut this man off now he's just somebody that she used to know because she takes Hypnosil now. She can't dream. And so Freddie hasn't been able to get to her for six years. And so these kids are kind of his last shot. Because of Chris, Kristen's powers, these kids are his last chance to get to Nancy. So I think for him, those two are like the creme de la creme of, <laughs> of kills. Very true. <laughs> and,
1: you know, one of the things that I really like uh, about the... The Nightmare series is. I love that most of the times you just get thrust directly into the world. Like mm-hmm. we're we're usually dealing with Freddy from the first scenes in the film, and so that's one of the things that I've always enjoyed about this series is they don't waste time uh, bringing Freddy in. Like he be- he's becomes a threat from the very beginning, and I loved this movie's opening uh, in terms of just getting us back into the world of Freddy Krueger and that house, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, first and foremost, those kids are always so creepy. Mm-hmm. I, I hate the nursery rhyme thing. It's just... It's so unnerving, especially just knowing who Freddy is. Like every time it happens, I just get a little shiver. It just feels mm-hmm. gross.
0: Yeah. I I I'm actually really glad that you brought that up because I agree. I think that's one thing that they always do very well in these movies, whether I like the movie as a whole or not, is that you immediately are thrown into the action. There's really no time spent you don't learn anything about these people before we get to Freddie. Like Freddie's already there. He's kind of yeah. just he chillin'. he's chilling. He's chilling in the in the wings, but his cue is almost immediately. <laughs> and it usually and we do usually start with a nightmare. And I think that this one is is a really really it's a really interesting one because. Now correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but I think this is the first time in the series that we have like the nightmare within the nightmare.
1: Oh, I, I see what you're saying. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, like the, like the dream, the dream within the dream, the inception. Yes, thing.
0: yes. Where and I maybe not to you know, and maybe they have done that in the and they did do that in the first two. I'm just not remembering it, but I don't think they've done it to this degree where we get such a prolonged beginning nightmare and then she wakes up and then she goes into the bathroom Mm -hmm. and we're still in the nightmare i i mean maybe i'm wrong but if if that's the case like if this is the first one i think that it's done very very well because like this whole beginning (laughs) this whole beginning sequence i think just does a very good job of Already bringing you into the idea that Freddie is still a threat, because right away we realize that Kristen does not want to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Next thing we find out is that these parents still ain't shit. (laughs) Like, right away. Still terrible
1: parents.
0: (laughs) Still terrible parents. We find that out almost immediately, and then... Right after that, we find out that there's this idea that the kids, everybody just thinks that the kids are crazy and that that's it. Like they're just crazy, depressed teenagers who want attention. Right. And there's also this huge idea in this movie that I think they touch on that I don't Feel like they touch on any of the other ones where it's not just the idea of, Oh, they're dying in their sleep. Everybody in this movie believes that they're killing themselves. Like mm-hmm. it's not just, Oh, well, she died in her, in her dream. They think all of these kids are killing themselves and that they're crazy. Yeah. And I don't think that that's something that we really get to delve into in any of the other ones because in the other ones, the kids die and nothing really comes from that. It's just that they die and then we move on to the next kill.
1: Yeah, I think the only kill that has any semblance of that was the, I want to say the first movie, right? Where the guy gets uh, hung while he's uh, waiting in the jail. So that was like the one time where it, it looked like Freddy kind of set it up to look like a suicide, but mm-hmm. in this film, it seems like at least for most of them, he kind of goes out of his way to make it seem a little um, unclear as to what happened. Other than oh, she went to the bathroom and tried to slit her wrist. That it's very clear mm-hmm. that's what happened here, even though that's not what happened. But you know, he he does his dream manipulation in such a way that uh, the outside people don't or can't register at all. That something you know supernatural is happening here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where in in this movie, because you know, A Nightmare on Elm Street really is about a group of kids. That we always are focused on the kids, and although the parents aren't bad people, we could kind of see them as villains. You know, they but only because they refuse to listen to their children and they think because they are adults, they know what's best and they know what's right. Mm-hmm. And I think besides the first one with Nancy's parents, we really see a lot of that in this one because although we only meet Kristen's, pa- Kristen's parents, we don't meet any of the other kids' parents, they're... Parental figure are all of the staff at this psychiatric hospital, and they all are so convinced they refuse to listen. That's the biggest thing is they refuse to listen to these kids. And I I don't know. I think that this is a timeless theme that is still happens today where. Parents aren't willing – parents aren't always willing to accept it or believe their children if their children say – hey, you know, I am I think I'm depressed or I'm feeling this way. It's like, oh, it's all attention or you're having a, you know, in this movie they say that they're having a group delusion. Psychosis or something yeah, like that. Yeah, there's always some other reason and it can't just, you can't listen to the kids and take what they say at face value. Right, and right, right. And I feel like in this movie it's very, very effective because they really have no power in this environment that they're in. They're completely at the whim and the will of the doctors. And there's nothing that they can say or do to make them believe them. So they more so than any other movie have to really rely on each other because they're the only ones who believe each other and Mm -hmm. they're the only ones that really know what's going on until nancy bad bitch thompson (laughs) steps into the building and then they have like some semblance of hope again
1: yeah which i it's one of those things i i think i actually saw um chuck russell speak about this in like an older interview where he mentioned that this whole idea that there's a period of time uh, a lot of times in, like, teenage years and, like, long- young adolescents where parents or older people in children and teens' lives don't take the things that they say seriously, um, mm-hmm. despite how feverishly they may say that this is true, this is true. We, you know, as adults, we just think that we know better, right? And so, yeah, I do think it ends up forming this timeless idea, because I think that's something that everybody goes through at one point in time or another, right? There's, we've all had that time where like, we've believed something is absolutely true. And our parents are like, Okay, yeah, sure, whatever you say, uh, be quiet, and go back to your room, you know, like, it's just this, this feeling of helplessness, because the adults, the people who are supposed to be in charge and protecting you don't believe you when you say that you're in danger. And so like, I think that adds a layer of fear into these movies, especially when you watch these as a younger person, you think like, oh, damn. Like, my par- I've, I've, I've seen my parent ignore me like that. Like, what if Freddie was after me? Like, what if he mm-hmm. was in my dream? And I was like, mom, there's a dude trying to kill me in my dreams. You know what she say to me? Stop watching all them scary things before you go mm-hmm. to bed, and he won't try and kill you. I'm like, but mom! He's got mm-hmm. a bladed hand and he's trying to shove it in my chest, boy. If you don't go back to your room, mm-hmm. so I digress. I understand the plight of the of these kids um, mm-hmm. and that feeling of like nobody's fucking listening to me. Um, it, it sucks, but I do think it's something that adds a nice layer of um, relatability to what these kids are going through.
0: Mhm. I agree cuz and and uh in the documentary, the woman that played Dr. Sims, who is the main doctor, who is really not about the shit. She, you know, doesn't believe Nan- thinks Nancy's causing hysteria. She really doesn't believe the kids. She believes in science and she believes in medicine. She said that you know, when, when fans would say, Oh, you were so mean in that movie that she was like, I didn't think I was mean. I thought I was a good I got I thought I was a good guy. Like I never thought I of myself as a bad guy in this movie. Mm-hmm. And and to a degree that's true. I mean she's not a bad person, but she just is so stuck on the idea that she know she's the end all be all knowledge for dreams. And mm-hmm. that everything that she says has to be fact. And she refuses to believe that there's a different way. Like her solution is, oh, just sedate them and put them away by themselves. It's like- yeah. Why, <laughs> why are you doing you're, that?
1: You're killing them. Yeah,
0: but yeah, when you, I love, I love it when Kristen's like, "You bitch, you're killing us." Yeah, it's like
1: such a oh, good moment.
0: Oh, get him! Fucking tell him.
1: But it's true. I mean, it's true, right? Like she's one of the heads at a psychiatric hospital. It's mm-hmm. very fair to assume that, like, when she hears these crazy notions of a boogeyman killing them in their dreams, she's gonna write that off as just them mm-hmm. having some sort of Episode or something like that. Like her character makes sense as to why she wouldn't believe them. Um, it's just one of those. If only you knew, you know. It's mm-hmm. like if you know, you know. But she clearly did not.
0: She really didn't. Um. There and was. Yeah. Oh, oh no, go, go
1: ahead. Go. No, go for it. Go for it.
0: No, no. I was just gonna say. I I agree with you. I think that the added element that it is a psychiatric hospital makes it so that you you get it. You get why this woman is probably not inclined to believe these kids. But I think another aspect of this that is interesting is that a lot of these kids, it almost seems like their parents just put them in there because they didn't want to deal with them anymore. Because these aren't bad kids, really. Taryn is the only one Uh, Taryn is the only one who was kind of forced to be there because she was a drug addict and she had to choose between that and Juvie and then Will it's alluded that Will jumped off of a building or or something but you have to wonder if he really did or if that was a Freddy Mm -hmm. scenario but other you know all of these kids have been put in there unwillingly by their parents and and so it's just one of those things where you understand why she, due to the circumstances, you understand why she doesn't want to listen to them and believe them. But at the same time, it's like, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> what are what are you trying to do for them? Other than <laughs> and just confused. put them
1: to sleep and uh, inadvertently yeah. send them to their dooms. And tuck
0: tuck them into bed in a padded room alone. Yeah. for
1: infinity, I guess. <laughs> An
0: unknown amount of time. <laughs>
1: right. Um, before we move like fully into the psychiatric hospital, though, there is one point <laughs> that I wanted to talk about with the opening bit was mm-hmm. um I don't know what it was about watching this opening again this time, but I did think it really established how bad of a person Freddie was in real life with these kids. Mm-hmm. Because like it really just clicks when you're watching that tiny little girl on the tricycle, like going through the house or whatnot, and we stop at the furnace and we see the bones and everything, it really hits that like Freddie is murdering these tiny little, like children her age, Mm -hmm. a, 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 a shit ton of them got murdered by Freddie. And I think something about that imagery of just knowing that like, that girl is probably one of the one of the skulls within that furnace. It was it was I, I don't know. it was very unsettling this time around. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a very quick reminder that Freddie, outside of being this guy who's haunting and murdering people in their dreams as a as a real life person, he was so awful.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's easy sometimes to forget that, like, yo, uh, Freddie was actually a horrible, terrible person. I mean, he still is, obviously. But, yeah, when you put it into that context, you're like, damn. Yeah. like straight-up
1: like, kid murderer. I, he like, he was kid, murdering kids.
0: He a kid murderer. And it's one of those things, too, where, you know, once again, you understand why the parents were so upset and why they did – You you can see why they would, you know – let their judgment go and do what they did and it just but it just sucks because once again the kids are paying for it it's mm-hmm. you know the kids are paying for the sins of the parent is what uh nancy says i believe but yeah i i agree i i actually really liked that that it opened that way because you do sometimes need a reminder of like hey remember a uh, bad guy He's a yeah. bad guy. He's he gonna makes, make you laugh, but yeah. he's a bad guy. Exactly,
1: exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, which was a good job, uh, <laughs> but yeah, moving moving into the psychiatric stuff. Um, my honestly, my two first notes in that hospital sequence are very similar. As my first note was, "Oh my god, young Morpheus," <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which was the first thing I saw when seeing Lor- Lawrence Fishburne, <laughs> because I forgot. I don't know how I forgot that he was in this movie. Mm-hmm. But that was one of the aspects that I 100% forgot. Mm-hmm. I completely forgot Young Morpheus was in this. And he and, goes
0: by Larry Fishburne. And he's Larry Fishburne credits.
1: at that. Mm-hmm. I was like, what a what a time. Holy <laughs> shit. What a journey this man has had to get to where he is now. Um, but honestly, you can see in that role how much of a leading man he already was. Or, like, that was such a side role, but every time he was on screen, he felt like the main character.
0: <laughs> he radiates main character energy.
1: He does. He does. It's fucking wild. Every time he's on screen, I'm like, outside of knowing who he is, right? I was just like watching his performance. And I'm like, you, like, imagine this was his first role. He was bold as hell with all of his choices, and I appreciate <laughs> every single second of it. <laughs> Like, I got I already had respect for you. I knew you found respect for you after after rewatching Five, your young self going yeah. through it. Like, Five, go stars ahead. <laughs> Five stars for Larry. Five stars for Larry. And then my next note immediately after that, which you've already kinda of talked about, is oh my god, old Nancy, just seeing her come back oh, in tr- yeah. in a true sequel was a lot of fun. And like I will say that is something that I did feel was missing from the second entry was that feeling of continuation. Um, this, this one definitely has that, I think a lot more fleshed out than the second one did. And it just feels more in the same realm than the second one did. Even though like we even talked about it back whenever we did, uh, like I didn't dislike the second one as much as I think a lot of people did, but I will say in terms of like sequels, I liked how this one tied in Mm -hmm. with, uh, the original.
0: Yes, it's so, it's so nice to see Nancy again. and I think that them bringing her back in the way that they brought her back was very smart. Mm-hmm. and and believable. I mean, you know, I, I like that it didn't feel like they tried to shoehorn her in just to have her in there. I think it is very believable to say that due to her experiences, Nancy would want to, you know, have some kind of – or major in something to do with dreams and nightmares and sleep studies. And and I, I would ha- assume that she would do something like that because, you know, just in case she needs to help people because she obviously stayed in Springwood. It's not like she tried to move elsewhere. And I uh, – and she knows that she failed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she obviously knows that she failed – with Freddie from the first one, because her mom did die in right. the first one. We know that's a fact. And also she's taking hypnosil, so she still doesn't want to have dreams. Yeah. So I totally think that it makes sense that she would come back and want to help kids with their nightmares just in case Freddie does come back. And I think this movie does a really great job of bringing an old character back and having them die within the film. Mm-hmm. but it feels justified. I I ha- I have an issue with horror movies bringing back characters just to kill them off for like just to say, "Oh, look who it is." And then
3: blah 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 they blah.
0: die <laughs> 2 seconds later and and I kn- and I feel like they do that to say, "Oh, look, if this person can die, anybody can die." Mm-hmm. But it if it's not earned, then it just kind of feels cheap, and I definitely think that nancy in this movie like she earned her death you yeah. know what i mean like it you're not you're not really sense. that
1: upset with it when it happens no, you're just like, she, eh. she
0: saves them yeah she, she died she finally did what she wanted to do because i think if she would have she would have probably been fine dying in the first one if she had actually defeated freddie right but she didn't and but she was able to come back and save at least a few of the kids, you know, and yeah, she sacrificed, she had to sacrifice herself, but that's probably, that was probably fine with her (laughs) as long as Freddie also died. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Right. 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 The other thing um, I mean, kind of, kind of veering away from Nancy for a second here is I actually really liked this cast of kids Mm -hmm. um, within the hospital. I, I, I found myself actually attached to their group dynamic and each of them individually, where I thought that they were all likable in their own, like, quirky way, you know?
0: hmm I completely agree with you. This is one of my favorite casts of characters for a, f- for a couple of reasons. So, first, I love that this movie really feels like an ensemble piece, and I think a lot of the nightmares you – you have one person that you really, really follow. And you learn the most things about that person. And then you just kind of learn bits and pieces about everybody else. But in this one, I feel like you learn an equal amount about everybody. And so you care when they die. Like, obviously, it's, it, for me, this movie out of most of them, I want all of them to succeed. And obviously... I want to see deaths, but I, I'm rooting for them, and it sucks. It kind of sucks when people die because you get to learn about them and you get to care about them. And I also love that when we first meet all of these characters, they're they're already dealing with Freddie. You know, like we don't start the movie with them just being like, oh, we're crazy teens. Like (laughs) when we start the movie, they're already going through some shit. And each one of them is trying to deal with this in a different way. And so I feel like from that, all of them already have this sense of camaraderie and they can only rely on each other. And so their relationship feels... You just, you feel like they actually really, really care about each other. And so then when you find out that each of them has this power that they can use and they have to use it together, like you, you're like, yeah, fuck them up. And then as they start dying, it's like, <laughs> oh my God, like, oh, <laughs> this no. is horrible. But I don't know something about the fact that they all relate through Freddy, despite them not knowing each other prior to them being in the hospital, it makes it really, really satisfying when whenever they get a win, it's just so like heartwarming. Like I love the moments when they like when Kincaid shows up Mm -hmm. and Nancy and Kristen see him and they're just happy to see each other. Like moments like that I think are really great in this movie. And it makes me feel for the characters. And I don't always feel that way in these movies. Most of the time, I'm just excited to see the deaths. But in this one, <laughs> I'm excited to see them, you know, fight back.
1: Mm-hmm. So outside of um, interesting deaths, this first and foremost, I think what this movie does really well And it really, I think it took a lot of notes from the first movie and expanded them is I do think the nightmare creation Mm -hmm. in this movie was some of the best in the series. I think Mm -hmm. like you really, there was a lot of creativity put into the uh, design of these night, of these nightmare kind of hellscapes. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying earlier, like they all feel, um, individualized for each person. So I really enjoyed that bit. Like I really loved honestly visiting each of the nightmares just to see what was gonna happen in each one of them, um, which there were some that were more intense than others. Right out the gate, Philip's death, that whole sequence. Brett. I I was squirming in my chair. I don't know what it was about seeing him being like dangled by like his like nerves his that just made my skin and crawl. But like
0: veins, yeah. I, uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, facts, facts. <laughs> that one, I think that one out of all of them in this movie always gets me. Just it makes my body tingle uh, because just the idea of him being dragged along by his veins uh, and like that being the thing that's that uh, the the thought process that that is what's pulling the weight of his arms and his legs up and walking him all the way through the hospital has me I mean <laughs> uh, has me clenching clenching mm-hmm. everything because it just it just seems so horrible and I think out of all of them his death is the most gory and the most gruesome yeah I, I agree with that you see everything and he's like dripping blood as he's walking why'd they do my man philip like that what <laughs> what happened what did he do yeah just- right
1: after you get to you know he's kind of like a little smart ass but like we were saying before like you like all these characters so like you're you're rooting for him yeah. and this poor guy just gets absolutely wrecked uh
0: destroyed he just wanted to make puppets
1: he just wanted to make puppets that's all he wanted to do with his life and you just have to do him dirty like that i mean but then you got jennifer next up who got done almost oh, well, mm-hmm. not not equally as dirty but i mean her death is now like framed in the horror hall of fame mm-hmm. for like most iconic deaths of all time so she did get that <laughs> in regards to hers mm-hmm. um but we get the with her death we get the the fucking it's prime time bitch we the get prime the line time,
0: bitch, which was improv but... improv
1: it's very it was very fun little adage there where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, sometimes actors just have fun with their roles and they end up sticking for a very long time with mm-hmm. some stuff that they created. Like, I think that's always cool whenever you hear stories about that.
0: Yeah, that that is a great... That is also a great death. And I I also think that, that Taryn's death is really sad. And mm-hmm. I, I guess originally, so... You know, so she she is the one that was the drug addict. So Freddie uses that against her. He makes syringes out of his fingers, and she has this little like mouth puckering mouths that Ugh, show up where, so gross. where her syringe hole marks were, and he injects her. And I guess originally what they had planned was her head was going to explode, but the head was malfunctioning that day, so they just scrapped it. And so what we get in the movie is that he injects it and she reacts and he, you know, puts the full syringes in her and then it cuts to the next person. But I actually prefer that than her head exploding. Obviously, it would have upped the gore factor of this movie, but something about... Having it in- injected into her and just seeing her in pain and us not getting the, the end release of that,
1: of that death.
0: I think it's almost because then in your mind, in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, she just had the worst overdose ever, is what yeah. I imagine happening. And I almost think that that's sadder for her character than if we had seen her head explode because. I then imagine that when they find her, they're going to think that she overdosed on drugs. Right. And. Like
1: she, which is that super sucks. tragic. Yeah, it's so her. tragic. Because
0: she, the whole movie, I think out of everyone, she is really struggling and everybody really treats her like a junkie and she's trying really, really hard to stay clean. But everybody is tr- acting like she's going to backslip. And she does stay clean until you know that this. moment yeah yeah so
1: that one sucks that, that <laughs> one sucks i did like that they included the scene with her and the one like uh, orderly mm-hmm. where she turns down the drugs just because you, i do think it adds just enough to the character for you to um you know feel for her then because you see that she's actually trying um and that the perception doesn't necessarily match the person i think that that was really nice that they added that in mm-hmm. um and it just adds to the kind of tragedy with that death too of like, she was somebody who maybe if Freddie hadn't intervened and was just at this hospital doing the, you know, doing the round, she probably would have kicked her habits and like become a, a clean, fully functional person. But, you know, unfortunately she doesn't get to because, you know, Freddie's a douche. Um, I will I will say, well, actually, before before I go into that, um, I do think it's interesting because I didn't know that bit about the head explosion mm-hmm. part, um, but I did see that they had like a metric fuck ton of just like production nightmares while shooting this because they were trying to do some pretty mm-hmm. big scale stuff. Um, I think one of the most notable uh, issues was with the giant giant penis head. Uh, mm-hmm. Freddie when he's trying to eat Kristen. Because apparently uh, one small quick fun facts about that is like that bit got so much editing and so much flack because initially I guess the head was more to Freddie's actual skin tone and whatnot. Yeah. But the the studios were like, no, 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 that's not gonna fly because that shit just looks like a giant dick. Yeah. Bruh, uh, that's, a,
0: uh, bro, that's a penis. <laughs> bro,
1: that ain't nothing but a giant ass <laughs> penis. <laughs> And I'm sure Chuck was like, "Yeah, you're right, you're right." So they, you know, they got to desaturate it and gave it that like darkish hue. Mm -hmm. But apparently, the issue they had with it is like they couldn't get the mouth to like chomp on Kristen like they wanted it to. Mm -hmm. Um, It just wouldn't work. So they actually shot that scene in reverse, which I thought was like really cool that they did because they didn't want to scrap all that work in that scene. So they ended up just having uh, Kristen be inside the mouth. Then they filmed it in reverse of like it releasing her, and so then clearly in post production they switched it so that it looks yeah. like it's eating her. And I thought yeah. they did it. like for something to like come up with that solution on the fly. I did think that that was really cool that they did. Um, it just yeah. so- shows how smart that entire cast and crew and was. And it
0: looks great. Yeah, I it mean, looks. It
1: looks. It looks exactly like what they're going for in the insane. movie. Um, it looks fucking ugh so gross and terrifying uh, but the thing that i was gonna say though is although i do believe Terrence's death to be very uh tragic i will say that's my one um my one big critique about this film is i do think after jennifer's death i felt like the deaths felt a little lackluster to me um yeah. I think the story behind Terran's death is good. And like the things revolving around it are good, but the, something about the execution of it, I don't know. I just didn't feel necessarily satisfied from it. Like, I thought, like, I I did feel bad for her, but it felt sort of anticlimactic. Same Mm -hmm. thing with Wills. The wizard um,
0: master. (laughs) The wizard
1: (laughs) master. In my
0: dreams, I am the wizard master. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I liked the
1: idea that they went with there of the kind of um, misdirect where you think, like, oh because he has his dream power, he might be able to stand up to Freddy and it's like, LOL, no, he can't, Um, he's big dead. But I think maybe it's just because like, he just, you know, gets held up and stabbed in the stomach. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm just spoiled from the first original Nightmare on Elm Street and how just insane those deaths were, that like seeing these ones felt a little bit tame in comparison.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but I did I did have that feeling or where I was like most of the deaths towards the end got kind of simple or it was just kind of like Freddy like stabbing somebody with a glove yeah. and it's like oh they're dead
0: no, I, I I totally get where you are coming from. I agree with that. I think that Will's death out of all of them is the most like eh, for me. Um and something about that that shot where he's like using his powers and he's like <laughs> he's like he's running up run- to Freddy and Freddy just grabs him is so funny to me cuz I'm like, "Oh man. Oh like
1: man." <laughs> it's like you're watching like a crossover like LARP session in, yeah, the, in the fucking it, park.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's like when your parents like play with your little brother and you're, <laughs> and you're like Ugh, okay and then you accidentally hurt him because you're like way too rough like he just looks like his little brother like running up <laughs> and Freddy's like, lightning Freddy's, ball. Yeah. Lightning ball. Freddy's like lightning bolt Freddie's like bitch what? what are you doing <laughs> Um but you know that's fair I think the thing that makes it okay for me in the sense of I agree with you that those deaths and compare, because the first ones we get are so good those ones just don't quite match up. but I don't mind it because the dream world that they create around those deaths is so interesting. oh yeah. and so complex that even though the deaths are eh, I love everything in the de- like around the deaths. like I love what they've composed to go along with those. And so yeah. it makes that bit more in, entertaining for me because I'm still super entertained despite the fact that I'm like, oh, Stabby. Stabby, Stabby <laughs> just freddie him. I You're right. Stabby Freddy. just Freddie'd him. Freddie just stabbed him. <laughs>
1: I, um, no, I, I, I agree with that. I actually agree with that. And one Another thing that I really liked about it, though, is I like the idea of having – all of like the big action um, for the climax all happened in one long uh, collective dream. I thought that was a great setup mm-hmm. um, because, you know, usually it's the one at a time. Everybody's like slips into a dream and then they handle it that way. I like this whole notion that like the last 20, 25 minutes is us just in the dream world. Like we're there. We're there. Everybody else is there. Freddie's there. And it's like, all right, showdown time. Let's go. I did like the setup for that, mm-hmm. um, especially because they even covered their bases with this notion that uh, Kristen just got sedated. So she's stuck here regardless. Mm-hmm. She can't leave. And so everybody else is coming in to like help her out. I thought that the writing in this um, plot wise worked very well in terms of like why they're in the dream world, why they're in the circumstances that they're in. Um, I liked it. It worked for me.
0: I agree. I I also thought that that was really clever because it makes it so that they're they are trapped and unless they delete oh my god, unless they defeat Freddy on his own <laughs> turf, they they're not going to get out of this situation.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, I think that the sedative and I I love that the whole movie we're being teased with this because we keep getting teased with the idea that one of them might be sedated, but they're all kind of able to get out of it throughout the movie. And then finally at the end, Kristen is the one who is sedated, but you know, we know that she's able to pull people into her dreams, so it might be okay.
3: Mm-hmm. But
0: if she pulls people into her dreams, she also has to be the one to wake up.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah, I think it just adds this extra obstacle that they have to get through. And I wanted to touch on something that you said earlier about how this was a hard shoot. Uh, yeah, apparently it was very, very tense on the set for shooting this movie. Um, Heather Langenkamp said that this was the most tense film set she's ever been on. Really? And, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that had to do with A, there's a lot of effects in this movie, which I'm so happy that they did because all of the effects in this movie are insanely good. And so mm-hmm. I'm happy that they did it, but I can understand why there are so many of them and it put them behind schedule a lot and a lot of the money went to effects and also Chuck Russell. This was like his first like, you know, big feature length film. Yeah. And a lot of people First of all, the higher-ups, I guess, were very much on him about they wanted Freddie to be a very specific way, and they were on him about that. They are on him about staying on schedule, staying on budget, et cetera, et cetera. And then I guess the actors were also having some issues because he wasn't the best at communicating with the actors and mm-hmm. giving them the feedback that they needed. Apparently him and Patricia Arquette didn't have a very good communication um for her particularly so i guess it was just a very very like <laughs> hard situation all around and they were put into some very uncomfortable situations that were also hard to shoot through like that ending scene in the where joey is captured i guess it was like hot as fuck because there's a bunch of fire and the and there's like a bunch of people in there <laughs> mm-hmm. um but all of that to say, it doesn't seem like it. Like, I, yeah, I would you don't, never. Yeah, you don't see that in the final product, I would really. never know that unless I had heard them say that. Because I, you can tell, homies, I, I can't think of a movie straight off of the top of my head. But I have seen movies before where they were bad. And then I found out later that behind the scenes, everything was kind of a mess. And it reflects. It's, it reflects in the movie. It It's like if you're having a bad day at work, sometimes that can reflect on, you know, the way that you act at work. If you have a bad production, you might have a bad movie, but they pulled it together on this one and it would seem to me like if I didn't know that at all, I would think that this shooting was a breeze, that everybody was getting along exceptionally well, that this was not his first film. Like I wouldn't know any of that because it's just so good.
1: Yeah, it seems like it all came together at the end and formed this very nice little package of a final product. Thank God um, for that. Thank yeah. God for that. <laughs> um, before we uh, move towards the uh, end of our discussion here, uh, I was curious, how did you feel about the whole um, Neil Gordon side plot and like getting reunited with Nancy's dad and all that stuff that was kind of happening in tandem with our dream sequences? How did that mm-hmm. work for you?
0: So... I actually really like, I actually really enjoy all of that. I think having Neil Gordon along for the ride was a smart way to start to introduce some more backstory about Freddy. Because really that's what he's there for. Besides, you know, being there to help Nancy. He's there for expositional purposes because he helps us learn more about Freddy and how Freddy came to be. Mm -hmm. And he is the one who finds a way to defeat Freddy, which was necessary, right? Because if you're gonna have Nancy in the dream world and there's not a solution in the dream world, you need to have somebody on the outside. And so I liked that whole aspect. I like his relationship with Nancy. And I, I I don't know. It was, there's something kind of fun about having this person who is a little bit of both, right? Because he's a little bit of the parents, but he's also a little bit of Nancy. And I really loved when she was telling them what they needed to do and he was almost kind of making fun of her. Mm-hmm. But but at the same time he wasn't. He was he was there and he was trying, but he is by all purposes in this movie and he even says it himself, he is the science of this movie. Like he is the logical side
2: mm-hmm. of
0: this movie while the rest of this movie is not based in logic and reality at all. Right. So, I enjoyed being in his head. I enjoyed following him. I was really happy to see Nancy's dad again. I, I don't know. Like I said, I like it when characters get brought back, right? And it was really yeah. nice to see John Saxon. And I also enjoyed that they showed how he was dealing with the aftermath of what happened in that first one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, and- real quick,
1: is it just me, though? Or did he make their re- their Ryu nighting scene weird as hell? Like, I... I don't know why his demeanor just felt so like creepy uncle to me.
0: <laughs> I was like, "There's my little girl."
1: Yeah, I back was like, "What? Ta- what is? What is up with the dad?" That <laughs> weirded me out. Daddy.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know what? It, you know what works about that for me because I do agree. And if you, t- it can, it does come across as slightly creepazoid. but I think what's interesting about his character in this movie. Is that despite what happened in the first movie, he is an example of the parent still thinks that they know what's best, regardless of everything that he learned from the first one. And regardless of everything that happened, he is still treating Nancy like she is a child and like he knows what he says is law and she has no authority here Mm -hmm. and i think he's a good example of the fact that these elm street parents refuse to own up to what they did and still think that they need to do what they need to do to protect their children whether that is right or wrong and that they cannot move past that and the kids are always going to pay for it and nancy does pay for it in this movie so I think that's what they wanted to show was that he was really still treating her as if she was a baby yeah despite the fact that she was 20 years old but okay that's that's
1: fair it's just in practice though it just it it (laughs) read hella weird to me right
0: especially i was like like, stop
1: talking to your daughter like that man you're making you're making this weird bro (laughs) you're
0: making this super weird (laughs) yeah (laughs) no i agree it it is it is a little bizarre but their relationship is very very bizarre in this movie they It is not at all what it was, what it once was. That's Um, true. That's true. One thing I will say, though, for this movie that I I always have to question is I do think that this bit with them in the junkyard scene Mm
2: -hmm.
1: where
0: they go to get Freddy's bones, so the dad and...
1: Gordon. Uh, Gordon.
0: So the dad and Gordon go to find Freddy's bones because they have to bury it in hollowed ground. That's fine. That's cool with me. So they get there and they get Freddy's bones and that kind of like alerts the Freddy in the dream world. That's That stuff is popping off. So... This is the part, though, where reality starts to mix a little bit too much with the dream world, and I kind of get confused about the rules, Mm -hmm. is that Freddy is able to manipulate things despite the fact that Gordon and the dad are awake. Like, Freddy is able to possess his bones, and he kind of, like, messes with the cars around them, Mm -hmm. and... It's a little confusing. I'm willing to let it slide because this movie is also introducing dream magic that everybody apparently can have. <laughs> so I'm like, eh. it's
1: not the most far fetched thing to think no, that he. It's
0: not, it's not like. But it, it's
1: a stretch. It's still a it's stretch. It's a
0: stretch. I don't know. Um, yeah because freddy is like a skeleton he's like using his bones that skeleton had
1: me weak had me fucking weak i couldn't honestly the moment he popped up my brain immediately went to the scene in scary movie 2 where homegirl's (laughs) like you run away from a pile of bones Just take that. That's what I was thinking the whole time. Just kick kick him. Just take his
2: take his leg.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. I. Yeah. It. It's something. This is one of those moments though that this is an example of a time that I got a little frustrated because if you're gonna bring the dad back and you're gonna have this moment where it's like oh shit. Freddie's back like oh you know oh shit here we go again like if you're gonna if you're gonna have that moment where the dad finally realizes, oh my god Nancy was telling the truth I just wish that he had put up more of a fight you know mm-hmm. like I wish that they had had more of a battle. I don't if the dad's gonna die that's that's totally fine. I don't mind that if if that's what because I, I do think it makes sense that everybody that came from the first one should you know sacrifice themselves in some way um but it just yeah but homeboy, it's, it's nothing... homeboy died
1: died via eat though he didn't like... even get
0: a hit i mean the man didn't even touch get a get a <laughs> get a flicking he could not freddie's bones could not be touched by this man and i know that freddie was strong but it just was kind of anticlimactic that he like He's like, I can kill you again. And he runs at Freddy and Freddy just, like, molly whops him. He does, like, a, one, a one-two step. And somehow... <laughs> That's <laughs> and somehow, a wrap. Nancy's dad is absolutely, like, flying through the air. And then <laughs> gets thrown on something and dies. And it's just like, oh, man.
1: Bruh, I just can't... I can't take uh like 80s to like early 90s like cgi skeletons every time they pop up in a movie i just can't do it dude they look look so silly and unimposing like regardless of whatever hell they're causing on screen i just can't take it seriously
0: it is pretty funny and i love the part where the the skeleton is fighting with (laughs) is fighting with dr gordon and there's a part where it like hits hits him hits dr gordon on the head with the shovel i think and the way that he reacts he's like like his head it's like his head is like shaking and it's obviously because you know he's fighting with something that wasn't really there when he was acting but it's 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 pretty funny (laughs) yeah and then the way the skeleton does like a yeah when it when it beats him did you see that before it It like like, pumps its fists in the air
1: and (laughs) then just crashes down yeah (laughs) <laughs> like y'all, y'all are the animators have way too much fun, <laughs> way
0: too much fun. They let them run wild. I said, when did Freddy ever do that? <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen Freddy raise the roof in that manner before.
1: <laughs> but I mean, ultimately we do stop Freddy. Uh, the plan works. Um, shout out to Ghost Nun uh, coming through with them. Freddy shout out to codes. Amanda.
0: Shout out to Amanda <laughs> Kruger uh, yep. coming through
1: coming through giving Mm -hmm. us the way to stop freddy and so we we do stop him Mm -hmm. uh we lose all the characters from the first movie though uh most of the characters from this one Mm -hmm. and uh then of course we get a little mini cliffhanger ending of like there's still someone in the house uh via this little paper mache model that's been throughout the movie Mm -hmm. um which you know as far as for me as far as there's going to be a sequel, like cliffhangers go. I like that this one was a little bit more tame and nuanced. I was getting a little, I was getting tired of the in-your-face, like ah, here's one more from Freddie. I was like, just little, do mm-hmm. do it, tone it down a little bit. That's all. Like we get it. There's gonna be another one. Uh, you don't have to slap me with that knowledge. You can just <laughs> you can just hand it to me nicely,
0: gently. Yeah, give it <laughs> to me with a nice, pretty bow on it. Well, and um. I will say too, like, I I really like this ending in the sense of the, I, I feel, despite the fact that he comes back, I do think that this was a good idea that they had for a way to beat Freddy that made sense and wasn't, you know, it's not like so weird where I'm like, this is bizarre it it makes because we've already had the like you're you're braver than him you can beat him you know we've already had that twice and so i like that they took it to a um like an outside the dream world type of situation and I really, really love that scene between Nancy and Kristen when Kristen is like holding Nancy and crying and and saying, Yeah, that was a good scene. She'll dream her a beautiful place. I think that scene is so, it's actually really sad.
2: I won't
1: let you die.
0: I won't let you. I'm going to
2: dream you into a beautiful dream forever and ever.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's really good, and I have to give it to a lot of that has to do with Patricia Arquette's acting. I think that she's fantastic throughout this whole movie. Yeah, I mean, they, all her, of the kids are. This was her are. first role, too, mm-hmm. I believe. This was her first her first movie, and and all of the kids are great in this movie. But I think that she just brings a really nice vulnerability throughout. And yeah, I don't know when she's crying and talking to Nancy in that moment. I was like, <laughs> gonna get me all choked up. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I agree. I like that. I love that that house kind of gets used throughout and is almost like a gateway to the dream world because mm-hmm. a lot of the times we see that house. Well, we see the little papier mache house, which looks dope, by the way. Right. Uh, Kristen is an artist. <laughs> it looks really good. Um, but we see that a lot of times right before they go into a dream, and then the house. The Elm Street house that Nancy lived in is where a lot of this takes place, where a lot of the dreams take place. They end up going through that house. Um, So, yeah, I agree. I thought that that was clever. It wasn't too much. It worked. And it was enough where you were like, okay, Freddy's probably like dormant, but still there. Yeah, right. It's fine.
1: Well, we'll take that. And also, of we course, I mean, I mean, we didn't talk about that much, but Robert Englund is fantastic again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that just goes without saying. <laughs> like, I don't think we need to dissect how great he does at this role. He knows what he's yeah. doing. He adds something new every time. He's a gem when it comes to uh, playing the Freddy Krueger. So. He
0: is. He is Freddy. And that's another one more little fun fact is, so that scene with the nurse – Mm-hmm. where she is you know naked and then she like ties him up using tongues which well, uh,
1: joey i don't blame you bro i like sometimes i blame the characters in the horror movies for the situations they get in i can't blame joey
0: <laughs> joey was i mean joey knew what he was doing <laughs> he, he did he really did um And at least he had a happy moment before he fell into that (laughs) horrible coma. (laughs) Right. Um, But yeah, I guess originally they were going to have her face turn into Freddy's face you can look the pictures up oh my god it looks ridiculous they have like a <laughs> Freddy head on her so it's like Freddy all the way down to the neck but then it's her body the rest of the way i
1: thought i thought because i didn't remember this part i thought that's what was gonna happen i was oh i was actually slightly disappointed when it was just freddie because right. i was like i want to see Freddy's head
0: no my body. god it looks <laughs> ridiculous i mean <laughs> It, i'll tell you that for free it would have been way too funny it would have been way too funny uh, but they they said it they were like you know the only person that can play freddie is robert england and it just looked like a woman wearing a freddie mask because it's mm-hmm. like it, you know it's his physicality it's his way of move it's everything and so it would have been bizarre and also, right. in, in her body, she has a, an amazing body, and that mixed with the Freddy head, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> what's going on here? Oh. It didn't make... My my brain was like, I cannot compute. The math ain't mathin' <laughs> for me with that yeah. one.
1: <laughs> oh, shit. <All laughs> oh, right,
0: well, before oh, we... Yeah, sorry. Before we rate it, I just wanted to know, who is your favorite character uh, in this movie?
1: In this one? Mm-hmm. Um... <sighs> Honestly, it's gotta be Kincaid, man. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs>
0: it's gotta
1: be Kincaid, just cause he's just so black, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> he's yeah. just like, yo, fuck, fuck this Freddy dude.
0: I love Kincaid in this movie.
1: I love that he just he wasn't taking anybody's shit, and he proceeded to not take anybody's shit for the entire movie. And I was like, you know what? I respect it.
0: <laughs> I yeah, I really like Kincaid. His lines are really funny, and. I don't know. Something about I, they do this with all of the characters in this movie, where most of them have like this other side to them. It's like all the doctors see is the crazy bits of them, but all of but it's just because they're so frustrated. And I feel like Kincaid is a great example of that. Is like all I feel like everybody thinks he's so like standoffish and aggressive and everything but it's like no he's just frustrated he's like and he's like a teddy bear yeah in the dreams yeah Mm -hmm. he's uh, yeah i really like his character he's really he he funny he funny to me (laughs) but all right shall we rate this one
1: we should our Uh, last
0: rating of the season
1: oh man damn
0: what are we gonna rate it
1: out of then? Holy shit.
0: Oof. Okay. So we can rate this out of tongues. We can rate it out of uh Freddy penises. We can <laughs> it. We can rate it out of paper mache houses.
1: What about what about phallic Freddies? Phallic
0: Freddies. Yeah, let's do it <laughs> out of phallic Freddies. Nice. <laughs>
1: you want me to go first? Sure. Okay. Um so I think I will give Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors 4.3 Phallic Freddies out of 5.
0: All right.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I enjoyed this movie. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, I really like watching it again just to get like a refresher of all the things that happened. Um, I think all the times we talked about it, I usually place this as my second favorite of the series Um, right behind mm-hmm. the first one. And I think it's still... Uh, pretty firmly in that spot. I I like what they did with it as a sequel. Um, at the end of the day, and I really enjoyed the cast of characters that we got. I love the nightmare dream sequences. Um, I think my big, my biggest gripe is what I was talking about before is that I do think like halfway through, um, the character deaths lose steam a little bit, mm-hmm. and um, you know, somebody who enjoys the first movie that is one of the things that you do kind of go into these movies hoping to see more of so um in that regard i think it kind of lost a couple points for me um but all in all pretty pretty solid pretty solid film yeah i think i about it what did i say Four. i say four two or i'm gonna say four three if i said four two before it's four three now so four <laughs> no,
0: you said four three
1: i said four three okay yeah. okay all right cool so four point three mm-hmm. phallic freddies out of five for me what about Alrighty.
0: you Um, I'm going to give this five phallic Freddy's out of five.
1: Oh, la, la. Okay.
0: This is one of my favorite horror movies. It's just like, I mean, you homies know I love 80s horror movies, and this to me is like a perfect one. Um, It mixes a lot of the things that I love about those movies. I think this Freddy to me is, this is like a great Freddy. He is The perfect mix of still being really menacing and really scary and really vulgar, but also being kind of funny and sassy as well. This is when we first start to get into the specific deaths and the specific dream sequences for each person that gets further explored along the rest of them. But I think here is when they really... They really do a good job of honing in on that feeling of being in a dream and everything being really weird and dreamlike, but also being specific to the person. I love the characters. I think that they're really compelling. I think that they are really good at making you feel for all of these kids and caring about them. I love me some Nancy. Love seeing her back and... She's just a vibe, honestly, through this whole movie. She knows what she's doing. She is ready to do it. And I love that it, in the end, despite this being about a new group of kids, I love that it still comes down to Nancy and Freddie. Like, it's still a showdown between Mm -hmm. them. And it feels... Like, this is, you know, the showdown that I wanted throughout the movie, and I feel like we earned it, and I feel like it pays off really, really well. So, yeah. Five out of five Phallic Freddies. Great movie. Great story. And like I said, my favorite of the nightmares.
1: hey a hey. Very nice, very nice, very nice.
0: We love to see We love to end it on a five, y'all. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right. Well homies thank you so much for joining us today while we talked about our boy the the um you know the the prison homie we'll call him (laughs) because he he ain't good he's not a good person but he kind of a homie as well um so Homies, if you have not seen this movie, but you listened to this whole episode, I need you to go and watch this movie, because it's great. Please talk to me, pl- talk to us, but most importantly, talk to me. <laughs> like,
1: Hit me up, All right. Hit me
0: up. Like, you could talk to both of us, but specifically, let's have a discussion about this movie. I love talking about this movie, and I want to hear... Your thoughts on this movie and also how you rank this one out of all of them in the series because, like we said, you know, this one usually is up there fairly high, but I would be interested if anybody has any different feelings about it. Mm-hmm. Um, true to, that, true that. to do so. You can reach out to us through our social media. Like I said earlier, we are homies of horror on everything. Um, if you prefer, you can always email us. You can also email us if you have requests, recommendations, uh, business inquiries. All of that can go to our email. We are homies of horror at gmail.com. Um, homies, all I want for my birthday. <laughs> is for you all to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Uh leave us a rating or a review. Uh, we we will take either. Um yeah, we really appreciate it. We love to hear feedback from you guys and it helps it helps promote our podcast to other people. We pop up more often underneath our genre the more ratings and reviews we have. So if you guys wouldn't mind doing that, we'd really appreciate it, and it would make my birthday fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, is there anything that you want to say to the homies on on this, the day of our 50th episode?
1: Uh, I feel like we covered everything, but I mean, as always, homies, thank you so much for listening. Um, seriously, seriously, it means the world to us that you've rode with us for so long, and I think we're both just very hopeful to see most of you guys coming on back to hear more episodes as we go into season two and know that all of your support is genuinely appreciated and we thank you every, every single time. So thank you so much, homies. We appreciate you. You know that, uh, but we just like to remind you so that Mm -hmm. you aware that you know we vibes with you, homies. We rock with you.
0: We want you guys to feel the love. This is not a one-sided relationship. We reciprocate the love, (laughs) always and forever. So yeah, homies, the next time you will be hearing us through your ear holes, it's going to be season two. So (laughs) we will be seeing you, homies, then. Have a great rest of your week. Have a great week next week. And we will see you when we're back.
1: Catch you next season, homies.
0: Ooh, bye.